You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Hello and welcome back to this week's Weekly Wrap-Up here on Sprott Money News. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford, and on the line today we have our chairman, Mr. Eric Sprott. Good morning, Eric. How are you doing today, sir? Good morning, Jeff. Uh, better than last week, I can tell you that. All right, so amen to that. So first, let's talk about big news this week in China. China's devaluing of the yuan. What are your thoughts on this, on even why the government has done this, and likewise the effect on the global economy, Eric? Well, I think the why is, it could be multifold. It might very well be as a reaction to China's rejection to be included in the SDR basket by the IMF, which I think could very much form part of it. The more likely thing is July, maybe when they reported their exports, it were down, I think it was 8.3%, something like that. And that's a huge crushing decline in exports, okay? That's serious recession. I mean, just imagine if the exports from Canada or the U.S. were down 8%. I mean, we'd all be freaking out. And, and that was a very, very large decline. And and because of that, I think they thought that they're the uh, yuan was overvalued and that they should take some steps to devalue. And of course, the, the interesting thing is in the first day, they said it's a one-off. And in the second day, there was another devaluation. The third day, another devaluation. I gather today, the, the yuan strengthened very briefly. But obviously, I think there's more to come there. But the big fallout is there's got to be another 100 countries out there that will want also to devalue their currency because otherwise... If you if just the yuan goes down, the Chinese eat your lunch. So whether it's Japan or India or Indonesia or South Korea, Thailand, South Africa, Latin American countries, they all want their currencies to stay down and aligned with the yuan. So they have started a currency war here. And, of course, the thing I reflect on is what do all the people in those countries think about maintaining their purchasing power. There's only, in their mind, two choices. One is to own the U.S. dollar, which, of course, I think the U.S. dollar will become valueless ultimately, or own gold. It takes a small fraction of those people to believe in gold and or silver. And I think we'll see that manifested here that, uh, you know, there's rumblings about uh, gold sales uh, rising sharply in India and rising sharply in South Korea and Thailand and places like that, Indonesia, uh, we hear anecdotal evidence that the jewelry shops are very busy. Even, for example, in Canada, I mean, we've had a huge devaluation against the uh, U.S. dollar, so much so that the Canadian dollar price of gold is about 1450 or $60, which is not a bad price for a Canadian producer. So I think that uh, this has set off a tsunami of buying. I think the reaction in the, the gold market going from whatever the low of 1080 to uh, 1125 as we speak, is an appropriate adjustment, and there's probably much, much more to come here. So I think it's a very important event that China's done here, whether it's for the reason of, you know, getting back at the IMF or because of just straight economics. I think the one thing we can can rely on is certainly the economic situation is poor in China. So that's probably the more likely reason for the, uh, the devaluation. So, Eric, moving on to the economy. So, we can see some release of U.S. non-farm payrolls this week. Likewise, data yesterday showed that U.S. jobless claims rose more than expected last week, but held near the lowest level since 73. Again, same sort of data that has been coming out. What are your thoughts in terms of what's happening with the economy, Eric? Well, you just look at the consumer comfort numbers, okay? Whether it's, again, the Gallup poll, the uh, Bloomberg poll. I mean, it just gets worse and worse and worse. I think the number of people that think we're in a weak economy has gone to something like 57%. 
the number that think it's strong is maybe, I don't know, 23 or so. These are new highs. The bifurcation between the 1% and the 99% just gets worse by the day. So there's just no hope in my mind that we can have a strong recovery. I don't tend to believe the data that we see, just like a lot of people don't believe the data from China, for example. But the logic of an economic decline is so evident with the the paucity of wage increases we have. Plus, we get all these layoffs. You know, Kraft announced 2500 The energy industry is just a disaster with the price down at $42. I mean, I don't know how many guys can can produce oil and, and make any money at that price. So you're going to see a lot more layoffs here. Plus the effect on some of the obligations that the oil companies have, the, the debt they have outstanding, how they're going to service that debt is beyond me. And we've seen um, uh, high yield credit, i.e. junk credit. The yields keep shooting up here. And of course, then it gets more and more costly to uh, to refinance that debt. So the oil price is shocking to me. It's just, I hate to think, what the people at Suncor are thinking, you know, when their cost of producing oil might be $80 and they're getting 42 Well, when you just shut the thing down? I mean, you, you can't sit there and lose that much, that much money. So it's, and it, of course, it's not good for the economy. We're going to lose lots of jobs. We're going to lose jobs in all the various metals area because the prices are so weak. I'm not talking about precious metals. I'm talking about base metals and coal and iron ore and things like that. So it's it's just a continuation, a negative spiral that this world is in. Of course, led by China. China was the big buyer of first resort, I'm going to say, and now they're, they're not going to be there. So it's going to play through and it looks like all the numbers will be weak. The Atlanta Fed came out and said their, their estimate for third quarter GDP as of sort of yesterday was 0.7% rise in GDP in the U.S. So this whole vision of the fantasy of the 3.5% growth is just going totally down the toilet here. And uh, the quarter's not over. It's probably going to get worse. Maybe by the time we end the quarter, we'll be back to uh, flatlining, if not negative. So everything's kind of playing out the way I would have expected it to play out economically. So Eric, let's move over to precious metals. You've already touched upon gold. We can see gold finding support around the 1180 mark now while the paper market remains bearish, but physical market demand and buying remain strong as investors recognize the phenomenal opportunity for buying here. But what about silver, Eric? Could there possibly be a silver shortage? What are your thoughts on that, Eric? Well, you know, we get numbers out of India that are truly stunning. I mean, it looks like they're going to import 6,000 tons of uh, silver this year. That's probably up uh, 2,000 tons from last year. The whole market's about a 26,000-ton market. And they used to have about 10% of the market. Now they're pushing 30% of the market. Apparently, imports of silver in the U.S. have been very strong this year. I don't think that neither one of these is going to be for industrial use. Industrial use. Okay? It's going to be people who are investing in silver. And in both commodities, well, particularly in gold right now, even on the COMEX, I think we have something like 15 tons of registered gold that's available for delivery, and we have uh, outstanding notices for 20 tons, so there could very well be a shortage by the time we we end this month. So both metals are are looking on the physical side like there could be a scarcity, and if, if those all those countries in the world, if people decide to protect themselves from the currency devaluation by some of them buying gold and silver. I mean, it could just be a total tsunami of uh, demand here. 
So I'm kind of hopeful that it all comes together. I mean, I fall back on the basic premise that I always had the negative interest rates and quantitative easing would never work. It's not, never worked in Japan. It hasn't worked here. It just supports asset prices, uh, which get misaligned with fundamentals. And I think it's becoming more and more apparent uh, to most people who look at it logically that the economy has, has gone into a huge tailspin here. I know hearing about some of the results of the tech companies, I mean, they're all talking about how June their orders just fell off a cliff and going into this quarter, it was looking bleak. So I think we got a lot of bad news coming there. If the stocks uh, start c- turning down, maybe p- more and more people will consider owning uh, gold and silver. We've had this ridiculous notion that the Fed's going to increase interest rates, which I n- never saw happening. And to think that they're at zero and we have to think about raising interest rates. I mean, it's just an incredible, stupid situation we find ourselves in. And, and meanwhile, the price of gold and silver get hurt because all the speculators go and sell their paper promises, which, of course, they can't meet them in terms of the physical market. So I, it'll be interesting to see whether this tightness literally manifests itself in the physical market. I think it could easily show up in silver with the kind of numbers we're looking at. We're also in a very good position in gold with the speculators basically being short the market. And if this thing wants to rally and the fundamentals have all changed because of the Chinese devaluation, you could get uh, a significant move in both precious metals. So I think it looks good. I mean, you might even offer up yourself some advice yourself. I mean, what have sales and sprout money been like in the last little while? Well, I think sales throughout most gold dealers and coin dealers have been well in the last month or so because of the prices. So people are recognizing that it's a good time to buy. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's what you see manifested. I mean, you're just another sort of anecdotal example of it. But everything I read from all the coin dealers and the mints and so on, I mean, there's lots of buying going on. So I think we could very well have a justify a very large move in the price of gold and silver. So. Uh, I'll look forward to chatting again about it next week. We look forward to speaking to you too, Eric. Thank you for joining us this week. Have a good one, Jeff. Thanks. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. This is Jeff Rutherford for the weekly wrap-up here on Sprout Money News. Have a great weekend.